Previously on No Compromise. We've got these vile criminals known as Black Lives Matter. And believe me, they're not peaceful protesters. They're only peaceful... I think that all gun laws are unconstitutional, and I've taken that position. Uh, Well, Ruby Ridge was a crisis for them. Uh, They were angry, and they wanted to do something. And then the militia movement was born. You know, I don't even know this this group, um, White Aryan Nations, but let me say this. If this is a group preaching white supremacy... It's not for the purpose of freeing black people. It's not for the purpose of making sure that that another black person isn't killed by the police. That's not what it's for. They all think that maybe I have a treat when I come down in this. To get around Jennifer Ellis's ranch in Idaho, you need an all-terrain vehicle. All day there's a, a big bull over here on this mountain. Every morning he yells at them, and they yell at him. A lot of testosterone in this valley this time of year. Between the elk and the deer and the bulls. And... She and her family are getting ready to close up their summer range and move 1,100 head of cattle from Henry to Blackfoot. Oh, there's the mountain bluebirds. They're about ready to leave. My hummingbirds all left last week. It got a little too cold. It froze their feeder, and so when they were trying to peck through the ice, they decided it was time to leave Henry. Jennifer's family tries to hold out as long as they can before winter sets in. There's nothing romantic about feeding hay in minus 20 degrees and 30 mile an hour wind but they've done it every year for generations. We are in far southeastern Idaho. So you're 15 miles basically from Wyoming right here. And you're 45 miles from Utah. It's a place where whatever's been going on in the rest of America's gun debate mostly gets lost in the wind. I have concealed carried since I was 20 years old. There's very seldom been a time when I have not had a weapon in a a vehicle with me because of what we do for a living. Around here, a gun really is just a tool, like a rope or a wrench. I mean, I'm that human that has the bumper sticker on my work pickup that says, you know, when guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. And the other side said, eat American lamb. 50,000 coyotes can't be wrong. I mean, seriously, I am that redneck. I really am. And I own that. (laughs) Says she's voted a straight Republican ticket since she was 18. To Jennifer, Democrats have always been about more regulations. The kind she says make it harder for ranchers like her to stay in business. Fighting those regulations is what got her involved in politics. I got involved in ag policy about dang near 25 years ago. Long before... The Facebook was even a twinkle in Mark Zuckerberg's eye. Jennifer was never a big user. Says she made an account in 2009. I think I used it for about a month and then I never touched it again. Well, then I started hearing from friends that there was a whole lot of politicking going on on Facebook. And so I kind of reactivated it, tried to figure out how to learn it. And, you know, as Facebook demographics work, the stuff you're interested in comes to your newsfeed. The more you click, the more it does. And I started to see the Idaho Second Amendment Alliance. I was like, oh, cool. Hmm. You know, everybody loves guns in Idaho, right? The Idaho Second Amendment Alliance is run by the Door Brothers partner here, 
Greg Pruitt. <laughs> Just the resident troll from Idaho. The funny new guy. They her. needed a backwards redneck to get on here. And Jennifer joined his Facebook group. Well, that's good. You know, they're saying all the right things. And then I didn't think about it much more. We haven't talked about Greg a lot, but we're about to. He's perhaps the least animated door partner in the bunch, as far as videos go. Killed eight gun owners across the state, sent these moderate losers back home, and with their tails tucked. You know, if you don't stand up and say something now, when are you going to do it? Like, at what point of of the government taking your freedoms are you finally going to go? Yeah, I've had enough. Jennifer started to notice Greg cranking up the no-compromise heat on some Idaho lawmakers. Them calling them gun grabbers and uh, rhinos and that they were out to steal everyone's guns in Idaho and that they were going to vote for red flag laws and a whole bunch of stuff that I knew to be absolute fallacy. Because, you see, Jennifer actually knew these so-called rhinos. And she knew politics, so... She could see what was really going on. She could also see militia groups were starting to rally around Greg's cause and shouting down gun owners like her with an aggressive message. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear anything about hunting and, and lifelong, you know, responsible gun ownership. Because in the end, it's all about, will you take up guns against the government? I'm Chris Haxel. And I'm Lisa Hagen. This is No Compromise, an NPR investigative series about a mission to reconstruct America using two powerful tools, guns and Facebook. In the last episode, we learned about the origins of the No Compromise gun rights movement, how it's been a rallying cry on the fringes of the gun debate for decades before social media and groups like the Door Brothers helped supercharge it. In this final episode, Idaho, a state where the no-compromise approach is taking hold. And we said the story of the no-compromise movement isn't just about guns. Well, we're going to tell you about a closely guarded playbook adopted by the doors and spreading to other causes. Its methods are easily taught and replicated. And it's been quietly changing America. In the first episode of this podcast, we posed a question. What could the Second Amendment possibly have to do with coronavirus? Well... I'm sorry. I wish you could stay and play. Some angry kids, I can get it. It's a little hard to hear over the angry kids, but this is a video of police officers and a group of angry moms in Idaho. It's April 2020, nearly a month into Governor Brad Little's statewide stay-at-home order. Schools are closed. Toilet paper sold out. We don't understand this coronavirus thing, and people are scared. And yet, these moms go to a playground in Meridian, Idaho, rip down some caution tape, and let their kids have at it. The moms are basically daring police, try to enforce the governor's order. 
So I. Right, you're you're the line of enforcement on an order that, quite frankly, is unconstitutional. Okay, that's something to take up with the mayor and the parks director. But you're enforcing it right now. Yeah. That's your I, choice. Right? This goes on for a few minutes until one of the cops has had enough. He starts counting down from five. One mom sees her opening, turns away from the cop, lifts her arms behind her back, and says, arrest me for being at the park. Do it. Report it. Okay, this is not... Officer, you don't want to do that. Officer, you don't... Am I being arrested or detained? Am I arrested or detained? She was arrested. Trespassing. The quarantine playground story makes national news. Bingo. Just the thing you'd be going for if you happen to be, oh, let's say, an anti-vaccination activist looking to rally opposition against this new form of medical tyranny. This woman... Do it! Report it! ...is Sarah Walton Brady. She runs Idahoans for Vaccine Freedom, a tiny Facebook group that shares theories about vaccinations and the pandemic. As soon as Sarah got arrested... Greg started live streaming. He told his followers she was just like any other American, frustrated with this fresh wave of government overreach. And uh, we're going to go down and protest the arrest of Sarah Brady in front of the Meridian City Hall. Meanwhile, folks on Reddit quickly tracked down Facebook posts that suggest it was a planned stunt with a name, the Tear the Tape Down event. Sarah Walton Brady has denied this. Now, Greg Pruitt is a gun guy, but Jennifer Ellis, the Idaho cattle rancher, started keeping an eye on him. Says Greg has basically become a one-man propaganda band for this whole set of thriving anti-government subcultures. Like his partners, the Door Brothers, Greg has several Facebook groups, most have their own custom banner for shooting live videos. So he has one for Washington Gun Rights, one for Greg Pruitt for Idaho. He had one called Title of Liberty Enterprise. He's got this one website called Northwest Gun News. It looks like just a random blog or amateurish news website. There's no byline under the articles, no reference to Greg Pruitt. But over on his Idaho Second Amendment Alliance Facebook page, I2AA for short, Greg posts Northwest Gun News articles as if they're from a legit news outlet. In fact, you can go watch him if you wanted to watch kind of a real-time play of this. So he's doing a Facebook Live on for I2AA one point in the day yesterday. Then he's changed shirts, and I'm literally meaning he changed shirts and hat, and then he's interviewing people in Moscow um, for Idaho Dispatch because this isn't about guns, right? It was about protesting Um, the mask order. The Door Brothers have a national version of Northwest Gun News. They call it Second Amendment Daily. Same deal. Anonymous articles, no references on the website to the Doors or their partners. Second Amendment Daily is basically reporting from real news sources, rewritten with some custom, no-compromise commentary on whatever's happening in the right-wing media ecosystem. The Doors and their partners, Greg and Patrick, take these articles that they rewrote and cite them as proof that the world is exactly the way they say it is. But there's no visible hint that 
they control what's in the articles. Unless you visit the Facebook page to click on a video and their faces this pop up. Is, this show, the Second Amendment Daily Show, is about gun politics, plain and simple. Uh, the fight to I spent a long time looking for other digital fingerprints and ended up confirming the connection in a really mundane way. I signed up for the Second Amendment Daily email list, and the confirmation page had a button that said, Return to Patrick Parsons' company. These articles are shared far beyond their Facebook pages, sometimes even making the front page of Reddit. We checked with Newswhip, a media intelligence company that tracks social media engagement. They found Second Amendment daily articles that were shared 25,000, 50,000, 86,000 times. And even people who can't stand the Door Brothers sometimes accidentally share these stories, including a lawmaker we interviewed about the Doors. Remember Susie Pollock in Missouri, who Aaron Door was trashing in a video? And I'm as red as the blood in my veins. Susie helped spread his message by sharing a link to a Second Amendment Daily article on her official public page. Chris asked her about it. Okay. So here's my question. Are you aware that Second Amendment Daily is a website that is created um, and basically controlled by Aaron Dorr? No. Oh, really? Yeah. Really. After the break, back to Idaho. Since the 1980s, hip-hop and America's prisons have grown side by side. And we're going to investigate this connection to see how it lifts us up and holds us down. Hip-hop is talking about what we live, trying to live the American dream, failing at the American dream. I'm Sydney Madden. I'm Rodney Carmichael. Listen now to the Louder Than a Riot podcast from NPR Music. Where we trace the collision of rhyme and punishment in America. In our last episode, we heard a bit about Idaho history, about Ruby Ridge and the Weaver family's fatal standoff with the feds. I asked Jennifer Ellis, the cattle rancher, about that legacy. I think people in the country in large look at North Idaho and they remember the Aryan nations. You know, that's where that compound was and how Mm -hmm. ugly that got. That's not indicative of Idahoans in general, by no means. But we don't do ourselves any favors when we go further and further to the right in the folks that are representing North Idaho in the legislature. I mean, we have a representative that campaigned with a Confederate flag. A representative who's been elected multiple times with the help of Greg Pruitt. Jennifer says the list of Greg's friends on the far right goes on and on. He organized a gun rally last September and invited a member of the infamous Bundy clan. Ammon is somebody that knows firsthand how important the Second Amendment is. And there was a lot of Ammon Bundy was the leader of an armed takeover of an Oregon wildlife refuge in 2016. And a lot of citizens went down there and did exactly what the Second Amendment was intended to do. 
And so with that, I would like to bring down Mr. Ammon Bundy. Bundy's month-long occupation ended after an FBI agent shot one of his supporters dead. Ammon is beloved by militia types. Government criminals would have us believe that monopoly on force is healthy to a nation. But the Second Amendment teaches us otherwise. Greg also calls Matt Shea a friend. Shea is a Washington state representative who has deep ties to militias and the Christian identity movement we heard about in the last episode. He's made national headlines a couple times. Here's Chris Hayes on MSNBC. Just last year, he admitted to authoring an absolutely crazy document titled Biblical Basis for War, which is basically a manifesto for Christian holy war. Quote, if they do not yield, kill all males. Jennifer says it's been surreal to watch these causes take hold. I don't know. I guess it's just a place that I wouldn't have ever believed we'd go. When you see the memes they put up and when, and you know, they say it's all being funny. Well, it's not funny to me when you're threatening law enforcement. She's talking about another one of Greg's buddies, a militia guy. He is the head of the Idaho Three Percenters that mm-hmm. said these cops should be boiled in oil. There's memes about the boogaloo. Well, I think that we've all seen a dose of what that is of late in this country. The boogaloo. In case you're lucky enough to not know about it, is internet slang for a second civil war. It's a concept that attracts a lot of militia and far-right activity. At this point, dozens of men associated with the Boogaloo have been arrested for violent plots, weapons charges, and at least one for murder. Jennifer sees a lot of this stuff orbiting around Greg Pruitt's online kingdom. So-called patriot militia types posting tips on things like anti-personnel explosives. Um, How to put together your own tanks. Does that feel super American to you? Doesn't to me. Just like back in the 90s with Larry Pratt and Gun Owners of America, Greg and his Idaho gun group are a kind of hub, a bridge that straddles two worlds anti-government groups, and the halls of power. But these days, in Idaho at least, that bridge is like six lanes wide. And a few years ago, Jennifer and some of her friends had just had enough. A bunch of like-minded folks and I got together and we have a website called Idaho Conservatives. And we write original content and the whole uh, goal of Idaho Conservatives was kind of to try to be the voice of reason Um, in Idaho where we felt like the far, far right in the Republican Party was controlling the narrative uh, for a lot of us folks who consider us ourselves to not be extremists. This Idaho Conservatives website does gun giveaways and celebrates conservative Supreme Court nominations. It also encourages COVID testing and calls militia groups terrorists when they commit violence. Jennifer says most people would prefer to just ignore what, to her, feels like, well, fringy nonsense out of Greg. And I think a lot of folks in Idaho went, holy cow, this guy's crazy, he'll go away. Well, because nobody stood up to him, he just grew and grew and grew. I mean, it's like a, you know, 
bad virus or nah, that is not what I should have said. This Choice time. of words aside, she's not wrong that there might be something viral going on here. You know, how would you compare the makeup of the legislature in Idaho today you know, versus five or 10 or 15 years ago? Oh, significantly more. Significantly more folks that have been elected that are far, far right. Thinking. How many, if you had to estimate? Um, in the House right now, I'd say 20 legislators, 20 Republican legislators. That's more than a quarter of the state's House of Representatives. That doesn't even include Idaho's lieutenant governor, a favorite of local militia groups. Jennifer and her conservative allies aren't just up against Greg Pruitt and his far-right friends. They're fighting an ideology and a set of tactics, all laid out in a book that not many people know about. It's called Confrontational Politics, written in the 90s by H.L. Richardson. Remember, he's the guy who started Gun Owners of America and hung out with R.J. Rushdoony, the father of Christian Reconstructionism. The Door Brothers and their pals are all about confrontational politics. Right now, folks, we all embrace a very intentional philosophy when it comes to gun rights. It's a confrontational philosophy, not not interpersonal. It's not. Everybody's got to film them, put them on the record. We call it confrontational politics. No harm intended physically whatsoever. It's simply at least for our organizations, we are steeped in the digital age and the confrontational politics. Model and here's Greg in Idaho. And so I read Confrontational Politics, and it was just like a slap in the face, like, holy cow, we are doing this wrong, folks. It turns out the Doors don't just practice confrontational politics. They're teachers. For years, a group called Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership, or FACL, has held seminars across the country. Over the years, you can see Aaron and Chris Doerr listed as official instructors, along with about a dozen other gun rights activists. The way it works is people pay 40 or 50 bucks to spend a day inside a meeting hall or hotel conference room, learning the same confrontational politics tactics the Doors use. The classes aren't really advertised outside far-right circles. We asked if they'd let a reporter in, but never heard back. The seminars are open to the public, so I decided to just sign up like anyone else, with the understanding that if anyone asked, I would identify myself truthfully. I pulled up the faculty website and found a class scheduled the next day on the other side of Missouri near St. Louis. So the next morning, I pull into the parking lot of a church. It's a simple building, looks more like a small pole barn than a church. There aren't any signs promising to teach me the real nature of politics, but I can see about a dozen cars in the parking lot. There's a shoe propping open a door on the side of the building. So I walk in and find a friendly middle-aged woman sitting at one of those brown folding tables that every church seems to have. I did not sign up online. Is That's it too right. late? It's no. Okay. okay. I posted this just for personal Perfect. Case, and you're good to go. You just okay. want to fill it out, and okay. then we take cash or check, or we've got a card. Yeah, I can do it on my phone if you want to do that. Okay. So, I, think I, I think I have cash. It's, okay. How much is it? It's $50. Can you do it? 
I give her the cash, fill out some paperwork, and okay. I'm on my way. Thank you. And now, if you want to just make yourself a name tag, you're all checked in, good to go. I slap the name tag on my shirt and scan the room. There are about 20 students, a blue jeans crowd, mostly women, which I wasn't expecting. One guy has on a backwards hat and tank top. Looks like he just came from the lake. There's also a PowerPoint slide on the projector that says everyone must turn off our cell phones. Not turn them on silent, but turn them off completely. That's what I'm using to record, so off it goes. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe has everything you need to protect your home. Professional monitoring keeps watch day and night, ready to send police, fire, or medical professionals if there's an emergency. Head to simplysafe.com compromise and get a free HD camera and a 60-day risk-free trial with the purchase of a security system. The past is never past, and every headline has a history. I'm Ramtin Arablouei. I'm Randa Abdel Fattah, and we're the hosts of Throughline, NPR's history podcast. Each week, we go back in time to better understand the present, bringing lesser-known stories and perspectives to the surface. Subscribe and listen to Throughline from NPR. Okay, so a few hours after being told to turn off my phone, I'm free. I walk back out to the parking lot, my mind swimming in knowledge of confrontational politics. I hop in the car and call Lisa to tell her everything I can remember while it's still fresh. The guy came out, Joe Neville, talked about how he's from Colorado and he has a history you know, of you know being really involved in politics out there and was a former political director for the National Association of Gun Rights and also worked with Rocky Mountain gun owners. Those are more no-compromise groups, but not the ones the Door Brothers run. Once we got started, the instructor explained his theory on education. The idea that gun rights activists just need to educate people about how the Second Amendment isn't about hunting, it's about stopping government tyranny. This education, he says, is pointless. He brings up the example of his own uncle, Ralph, who is a gun nut. Um, but also belongs to the Meat Cutters Union, so he always votes Democrat. And he basically is like, if I can't even convince my own family to stop voting Democrat, then I'm not going to convince other people. So, like, education is just a rabbit hole that's not worth going down. So if you're not trying to educate people, what are you... Confrontational politics isn't about appealing to a broad group of people. It's about leveraging voter apathy to impose your will on society. Most people don't bother to vote, especially in primaries. The instructor said only about 24% of the population really matters. And then he was like, 8% of them are going to vote Democrat no matter what. 8% of them are going to vote Republican no matter what. 2% of them are going to vote for some random party no matter what or write-in candidate no matter what. So what's left? Mm. You got 6%. Wow. So really what you need is 3% plus one to win. To get wow. your candidate or your issue, you need to find that 3% plus one, figure out where they are, figure out how to convince them to vote the way you want them to, and, and then you get it. Whenever the instructor wanted us to remember an important point, he'd say, write that down. Or he'd have us repeat what he said, schoolhouse style. And one of the biggest lessons of this class 
was how to know when you're getting under the skin of the legislators. It's good when they stop being nice and start ignoring you. It's even better if they start to threaten you. When this starts happening, this is when you double down. He's like, first you rejoice and then you double down. And this was when he did the call out. What, you know, he asked a question, what do you, if, if a politician does this, what do you do? Double down. If this happens and this happens, what do you do? Double down. Doubling down means never back down, never apologize, attack always. As long as you're smart about it. They have a tool for this called Red Fox 4. We'll get back to that in a minute. Gun Owners of America and its offshoots have been teaching these classes for at least 20 years. Uh, confrontational politics is something a little different, something that people don't think about very much, especially conservatives. And it's the modus This is Val Fennell with Gun Owners of America. Face-to-face lobbying is virtually useless. This footage is from 20 years ago. Looks like it's from an old camcorder, the kind parents used to film birthday parties in the 90s. He says there are two strategies to get what you want out of politicians. And they're the same two I learned about in the class I went to. The first strategy is pleasure. Attack their enemies. Help them campaign. The second thing that politicians will respond to, and is by far the most powerful force, is pain. Elections are a great time to cause pain. The Doors and the gang love to brag about political graveyards come election time. Dan Kirkbride, gone. Bill Pownell, gone. Michael Von Flatteren, gone. They are the spearhead of the anti-gun establishment here in Wyoming, gone. They're gone. What strikes me is This model of confrontational politics is really a blueprint for political insurgency. When you know you'll never have the majority on your side, aim lower. You can win with just 3% of the population, as long as you're dedicated. This is a lesson that's not all that different from my experience in the Army. I served during the peak of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. America has spent 20 years fighting a military insurgency, and we still don't know how to win. There are a lot of people in this country who love guns and support the Second Amendment. Even within that group, only a small minority supports this defiant, no-compromise position we see from the doors. But when they follow the blueprint and get buy-in from a few people, they can accomplish a lot. When I went to the confrontational politics class, I was expecting the other attendees to be white guys, probably there to learn about guns. They were all white, but most of them were women, soccer mom types, there for the same cause as that activist at the playground in Idaho, medical freedom. In other words, they were anti-vaxxers. These confrontational politics classes are happening all over the country. This group, Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership, has held about 50 this year in places like Melbourne, Florida. Lewiston, Maine. Big Lake, Alaska. Glendale, Arizona. But the goal is not to make money. My class lasted all day and only cost 50 bucks, Jimmy John's lunch included. 
The goal is to teach people how to build their own political organizations. After each class, attendees get a digital copy of the slides so they can spread the message too, in person or online. Val Finell recorded his class on a camcorder in the year 2000. Politics, plain and simple, is the adjudication of power. Okay, It's who rules whom. Simple as that. 18 years later, we found another group learning the same lessons. White nationalists. The goal is to change policy. And in order to change policy, you must possess power. And that's all politics is, the adjudication of power. This is a webinar from Identity Europa, or IE for short. It's a group that helped organize the infamous Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. Also, consider this top secret information. We don't want this getting out to other organizations. We don't want them to understand what we're doing. Lucky for us, there's no instructor ordering everyone to turn off their cell phones when it's a webinar that gets leaked. Again, the exact same slides from the class I went to. Don't bother educating people, that's a waste of time. Except his example is not about guns. So, let's teach Nancy Pelosi about the rightness of white nationalism. Nancy Pelosi Uh, is not their target audience. This guy points to a poll that found 8% of Americans support white nationalism. Extrapolating that number, he says, 30 million Americans are open to the group's racist ideas. Math is a little off, but the point still stands. He brings up Red Fox 4. We said we'd explain it, and here you go. Pretty cool name, but it's basically just a tool for cost-benefit analysis. So, here's... An example, creation of the ethnostate. He explains how Red Fox 4 works, weighing the pros and cons of overt messaging about the creation of a white ethnostate. He says ideally it would happen, but it's best to hold off. The message is too extreme for now. Because they can point to us and and point to this whole ethnostate thing and organize around it. See, see how crazy they are. They want to ethnically cleanse everyone. Of course, that's what that's what they're saying. I'm not saying that's hundred uh, percent true. But what's the policy? Instead, about? he says they should focus on something more subtle: immigration. Now, like we said, this was an unofficial webinar, but we know at least some racists have attended faculty classes in person. One's taught by Aaron Dorr. I still don't think you should have multiracial children. This is Matt Forney. He's a blogger, professional troll, and key figure in the formation of the alt-right. And he writes a lot of racist, sexist garbage on the internet. After attending a faculty class in 2016, he wrote this on his blog. Our instructor was Aaron Dorr the founder of Iowa Gun Owners, which bills itself as Iowa's only no-compromise gun lobby. I can't write about the content of the class itself because Fackel doesn't want leftists getting a hold of its secrets. Indeed, Dorr had us shut off our phones while he was lecturing, but suffice it to say that they have the goods when it comes to political operations. 
confrontational politics has also gone international. This guy's Estonian. We know the classes have also made it to right-wing activists in Poland. Okay, there's one more quick lesson from confrontational politics. Something that didn't make sense when we first started watching The Doors and their friends. One day, they say politicians can't be trusted. They're the enemy. But the next day, you see Aaron Doerr or Patrick Parsons live-streaming with a lawmaker. Well, it turns out this paradox is built into the confrontational politics model. See, you gotta have at least one legislator on your side. Someone to introduce bills for you and make videos that show how hard you've been working in the state house. These people get a special label, champions. We can give you guys the, the chapter and verse on uh, how many uh, scuzzy politicians there are, but there's also some champions, some absolute uh, champion lawmakers out there. And uh, we're proud to be uh, very good friends with the best uh, lawmakers in a number of states. And we're, I know the we're Doors have, and their uh, friends do this everywhere. And remember, they also started a national group, the American Firearms Coalition. And they may have found a champion who will trumpet their message on a national stage. They found her right here in Georgia, where I'm based. I'm running to stop gun control. Open borders. The Green New Deal. And socialism. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a short, blonde, CrossFit-loving businesswoman who's running unopposed for Georgia's 14th Congressional District. Marjorie's campaign ads sound a lot like the Door Brothers' live videos. They destroyed the NFL. They're destroying NASCAR. They're burning our cities and destroying our history. Which might be because, surprise, the Door Brothers' partner, Patrick Parsons, has been working really closely with her campaign. Aaron's pitched in, too. Marjorie has started showing up to events with dudes dressed up in tactical gear and sporting 3% militia patches. If her name sounds familiar, you might have caught wind that she's being called America's first QAnon congressperson. This is a video she made. I don't know uh, how much you guys know about Q. He's, it's an anonymous person. All right, so um, Q is a patriot. We know that for sure, but we do not know who uh, is. How do we okay. explain QAnon? So, now, the question it's a is, constantly evolving cornucopia of conspiracy theories involving a satanic um, deep state okay, pedophile so ring. He talks about is you hear going down the rabbit hole. All right, the so deeper you go, the more anti-Semitic these theories get. Now, there's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to take this global cable of Satan-worshipping pedophiles out. And I think we have the president to do it. And so I'm very... Just weeks before the 2020 elections, I caught up with Marjorie Greene at a press conference and asked her about Patrick Parsons. Oh, I'm a lifelong member of Georgia Gun Owners and Patrick Parsons, is he's been a good friend of mine. She said he's been helping time. out with the campaign um, and quickly took another question. Ends up being about QAnon, which she's been trying to distance herself from lately. A couple minutes later, her aides ended the presser, and Marjorie and the U.S. senator she was with speed-walked back to Marjorie's Humvee. 
The reporters, including me, followed them to their getaway vehicle, and I tried one more question about Patrick raising tens of thousands of dollars off a North Carolina Facebook page. Do you care about that? Care about America. Care about freedom. Care about life. Their campaign supporters surrounded us. Care about our nation. Care about its people. Care about our history. Care about our heritage. For weeks. Months. The Door Brothers and their partners have also dodged our questions ignored our calls and emails. They've posted about us on Facebook, though. They tell their friends and supporters we're lazy lightweights, jokers and penthouses who don't know which end of the gun a bullet comes out of. I can disassemble an M240 Bravo in under 30 seconds. That's a machine gun, so yeah, I'm familiar with which end the bullet comes out of. We can also see that family members of the Doors have noticed. We know Ben Dorr has a father-in-law, a Reconstructionist pastor who's been following this podcast closely. He's taken to calling me and Chris the Lugenpress twins. Lugenpresse means lying press in German. The word was popularized by the Nazis and popped into American far-right vernacular around 2016. There have been a lot of violent incidents with far-right militia all over the country recently. The alleged plot centered around a plan to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, whose coronavirus restrictions have been railed against by armed groups at the Capitol. According to the complaint, they did surveillance on her vacation home. Just as Chris and I were writing this episode, state and federal officials arrested 13 men in connection with an alleged domestic terror plot. The FBI says their goal was to create a self-sufficient society that they say would follow the Bill of Rights. A couple of them were at an anti-quarantine protest in Michigan, similar to the ones the Doors helped organize in neighboring states. We're not aware of any evidence that the Door brothers or their partners have had any involvement in violence. Here's the thing. In all our many hours of watching gun video after gun video, We've never seen the Door Brothers or their partners tricked out in tactical gear and loaded for bear. That's not what they do. It's not their lane. They're the mouthpieces and administrators of a philosophy. They're policy nerds. They take chaotic current events and run the details through a particular framework. The tyrannical government is coming for your guns, for your rights, and your families. This is a fight for our freedom. This is a a fight for our life. This is no time to be super respectful and and Mr. Nice Guy. We need to kill these people, politically speaking, for the love of God, in case you're totally tone deaf right now. These people need to be destroyed. In this podcast, we've heard a lot from Republican politicians, but of course, Democrats are also big targets of no compromise rage. We saw it in Michigan. And in Georgia. The sponsor of SB 50 has my name, then an arrow pointing to me, and then right under it, in big letters, it says, kill the bill. Jen Jordan is a state senator for Atlanta, and we're looking at a campaign photo of her, a meme that Georgia gun owners posted. A big yellow arrow points right at her head. It's one of these things where 
I mean, the language with the graphics, I mean, they're clearly, you know, trying to communicate something that goes beyond just, um, you know, not liking politically the fact that I've sponsored a bill that would keep guns out of domestic abusers' hands. One comment on the post says, kill it all, add her and her terrible mouth. Another one, I will give them my bullets first, one at a time, dot, dot, dot. What do you feel like it's trying to communicate? I think it's it's a call to action, and I think it's it's a call to action for people to use violence. I mean, I mean, when you incite violence or you incite people to think that elected officials are trying to take away something from them when it's not true, and then you use words like kill or we're killers or we're, you know, we're coming for you, um, you know, beside the picture of a gun, there really is no other conclusion you can come to. There's a question that keeps me up at night. What is this combination of guns and Facebook doing to our communities? What's all this fear doing to our brains? What's happening in these corners of the internet that most people don't even know exist? What do we do about it? What if we mess up what we do about it? When we first started reporting this story, we had no idea it would end up about anything other than just gun policy. But these loud, long Facebook videos about tyranny took us to a lot of other issues. Dismantling public education, anti-vaxxers, the Aryan nations, anti-abortion activism, homophobia, militias, well, militias maybe we figured, and of course, downplaying the dangers of a pandemic. Y'all see that? Oh, how wonderful. Wonderful. Defiance of tyranny is so alive and well in the great Keystone State. We started at an anti-quarantine protest in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And we got to know the doors. I know how many times in the last couple of days I've been asked by media outlets, well, don't you guys do guns? Like, what, what's your big deal on this coronavirus issue? Why, why don't you stay in your lane? We stay do in your lane. freedom. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane and I have had so much enjoyment telling media outlets all across the country that you know, our lane is freedom. We just don't give a dang. Then, in September, some news. A virus that has killed more than 200,000 Americans found its way to the Door family. Northwest Iowa was facing a spike in COVID-19 cases, and the Dorr brothers' grandfather died. He was a farmer. Ben Dorr posted a heartfelt goodbye on Facebook. Didn't say what the cause was. It was COVID. We talked to some other relatives who confirmed it. And there's more. They say the Dorr brothers' mom tested positive too. Had to go to the hospital. Their dad, Paul Dorr, also got the virus. Dorr family members tell us they got really sick. We're sorry to hear it. It's been a hard year for just about everyone.
No Compromise is us, Lisa Hagen and Chris Haxel. The show is produced by Graham Smith and edited by Robert Little of NPR's Investigations Unit. Josh Rogerson and Stephen Key are our sound engineers. Sound designed by Josh and Graham. Our music comes from Peter Duchesne, Brad Honeyman, Rob Braswell, and the Hump Muscle Rolling Circus, with help from Jim Ryu, Cam Gunn, and Katie Doggart. This has been a production of NPR in partnership with member stations WABE in Atlanta, KCUR in Kansas City, and WAMU in Washington, D.C. From WAMU, thanks to Mike Schur, Carrie Needham, Melissa Glass, and Julia Slattery. At KCUR, Dan Margulies and Peggy Lowe, thank you. Also, Kyle Palmer. At WABE, thanks to Alex Helmick, Susanna Capaluto, and Emma Hurt. We want to recognize Neil Carruth and Anya Grunman from NPR Programming, and our legal team, Steven Zansberg and Micah Ratner. Big thanks to Barbara Van Workup and Nigeri Eaton, as well as Michael May, Alex Goldmark, Bruce Oster, Cheryl W. Thompson, Sarah McCammon, and Keith Woods. And to our colleagues from the Guns in America Reporting Collaborative, Jeremy Bernfeld, AC Valdez, Francesca Schlesinger, and special shout out to Heath Drusen. Also, Rachel Cohen. And finally, thanks so much to Caroline Martin, Jake Jackson, and Marion Jackson. Ann Little and Alexis Diao, thanks for the support and patience. Support for Guns and America comes from the Candida Fund, 